around 2007, I was actually working for a startup in a garage, like literally in someone's garage in, in Palo Alto, <laughs> which is where HP and some sure, of these yeah, other companies. Very famous. Yeah. And a lot of garages down there. Yeah, a lot Apparently. of garages. There are a lot of garages. <laughs> it was a really nice garage. It had a bathroom. It had a boardroom. Um, a couple couches. Um. Welcome to the Nexus Teaser Podcast, an audio appetizer for our monthly UX meetups. My name is Ben Watson. I'm a professor at NC State in computer science, and um, I'm here with Joe Schramm. Joe, you want to introduce yourself? Sure. I'm an area product designer and product manager here in Raleigh. And um, we're here uh, to tease Jason Broughton's coming meetup um, later this month. Jason, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, Jason Broughton, I'm the Vice President of User Experience at LexisNexis. I am recently moved to the Raleigh area and I've been at the company now for nine months and it's been a, and a really exciting journey and I look forward to having the opportunity to, to speak to each of you um, in the upcoming meetup. Great. So. Um we just wanted to talk with you a little, Jason, about um, how you your path from the beginning, wherever you'd want to start, to to here. Um, for example, where did you? What what is your degree? What is your professional education? Yeah, I, I so I ask this question a lot, especially <laughs> especially people that I that I interview, right? Mm-hmm. And e- everyone has their origin story. Yeah. Um, Oftentimes it starts with Legos. And I don't think my origin story is too different. Like I, I definitely grew up wanting to, uh, trying to understand how things work. Uh huh. I was the kid that took apart toasters and, and. Does it start with logos like Batman? Uh, it doesn't start with <laughs> logos. Well, it does start with logos, I guess. Yeah, it does start with logos. Logos and Legos and all that good stuff. Yep. Um, but no, like to, I guess to fast forward, I, I went to the University of Tennessee. Oh. Um, I, I, started out I don't um, hear that in your voice in, no I, I've lived in California too <laughs> okay I um, I started out majoring in economics because I had a really impressionable economics teacher in high school and I thought that I don't know I just I for some reason I thought that's what I wanted to do that my parents told me I would never make money at designer art and right I mean that's kind of oh. a classic story right mm-hmm. like you'll you know that's great you want to go into that but you probably won't be able to feed yourself right and, and so I, I gave it a, I gave it a go for a commercial year. art yeah commercial art yeah. and that's what you <laughs> but know that sounds so good right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> commercial it <sounds> art. commercial <laughs> it's, well, it's actually the, it's There's actually the worst it. <laughs> of both words right like you're sellout and right you, uh, it's the art of commerce okay. you right. know formless shapeless with yeah, no yeah, definition exactly right, right um so but I after a year I was like I can't I can't I can't do economics. That doesn't work for me. It's not what I want to do. It's my pa- I don't care if I'm I'm hungry. I'll I'll figure it out. Um, uh-huh. I knew that I could. I'd have the the gust, entrepreneurship gusto to make anything work at the time. And so I went and got a degree at the University of Tennessee. The only thing that really looked like what I wanted to do was graphic design. Huh. And so I went into graphic design and I and I sort of made my own 
degree as the web, like when I was when I was in school, the web was just sort of coming about as a thing. Mm-hmm. Like we had like the, the late nineties, the early the, 2000s? Er, the mid nineties. Uh-huh. Um, I entered school in the mid nineties. I won't go into the exact date, but in, in the nineties. <laughs> um, and I'm older, so yeah, don't worry. And the, and the web was becoming a thing, and I thought, wow. I, I, I can see the future of this, and uh-huh. I want to be a part of it. The traditional design school at Tennessee, we're still using stack cameras. I don't know if anyone knows what a stack camera is, but it's a giant room with a camera the size of a VW, and you would basically paste up a mock-up, cut and paste a mock-up onto a piece with, of paper. Yeah, with like, I was going to say with like paste. Yeah, like with glue. paste, with yep. glue. <laughs> you would use your hands to compose type and images, and you would take multiple pictures and, and process those pictures. And wow, I, I, ju- I just remember having to go, th- I mean, it taught me some good lessons about craftsmanship and, and all of that, but um, I knew that wasn't the future, so I spent yeah. most of my time in the computer lab. I didn't actually have a computer in college, which is kind of crazy to think about that. Um, but I just, I spent, you know, I was in the computer lab oh, all the well, time. That was kind of pre-laptop. It was pre-laptop. Yep. yep. <laughs> it's funny pre-laptop. to say that, but yeah. Yeah. I think the zip drives were the were the yeah. prominent oh, things yeah. at the time. Zip drives. But I, I felt this yearning to, to do something big. It felt like the gold rush, like all mm-hmm. the action was happening in California, in uh-huh. San Francisco. Um, you heard about the dot coms like Yahoo had just went public. Yeah, I think Amazon had just gone public, and for me, I, I just knew that was the place I wanted to be. And I, I've been to San Francisco and loved it, and literally moved to San Francisco with five hundred dollars. Uh, moved into the youth hostel in Union Square, wow. and um, walked around the city with a printed portfolio of web pages which is kind of ironic um, until I found a job and long story short I, I moved out I went back to Tennessee to get my stuff and, and moved out and started working for a company um, little did I know what the company was I, I kind of had a, a sense of what the company was doing but it went on to do really good things we were acquired by Amazon mm-hmm. which was my first foray into working for Amazon um, and this when Amazon had 2,500 employees. And now but you were still in California. You didn't go to Washington. I was still in California, mm-hmm. yeah. It was a subsidiary of mm-hmm. Amazon. And, um, and so, so that was a good experience. We, the, the company was Alexa Internet. And oh, I yeah. don't know if a sure. lot of people remember. Alexa is still around, but um, Amazon has rankings. taken. Yeah, it was yeah, the web, web right. rankings. We that's actually right. started doing related links in the earlier browsers. Yep. So it's kind of core search technology pre Google. Alexa. Yep. Does that Alexa. have anything to do with the speaker? They t- yeah, I think it has has. So Alexa was also we created the first Amazon Web Service. Okay. Which was a web search uh-huh. crawl crawl based yep. service, which was kind of a big deal. And then um, I think they since they own this this brand that they were able to use it, and so Alexa. Okay. The, the Alexa brand comes from Alexandria, the Library of Alexandria, mm-hmm. as um, universal knowledge, right? And mm-hmm. the entire, like, so the idea was Alexa would crawl the web for yeah. the entire collection cool. of the web. And there's an overlap there with the Internet Archive, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. Right. And so then the Internet Archive was, was a sister company, nonprofit, to That's Alexa. Right. 
And um, so at the Internet Archive, I, I worked on the Wayback Machine, which mm -hmm. is in, still in use. Yep. So our, it's archive.org, and mm -hmm. you can do I, a, I used it every now and then. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which is... Um, Did you know, by the way, that um, the Hunt Library, the designers of the Hunt Library also designed the new Alexandria Library? Oh, wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So there's a little... Yeah, there's a connection there. there. Yeah, we actually took... I, th I think this was in like 2004. We took a snapshot of the web, like every single web page that we had crawled, which was almost all web pages. Back then, it was yeah. It was it was, it was maybe a petabyte at the time, yeah. and we donated it to the Library of Alexandria. You know, I, I had I rode the wave through the the dot com bust at Alexa. Alexa was owned by Amazon, and so we. We, we made it through that. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of people left San Francisco at that time in like the mm -hmm. early 2000s. Um, we made it through that and then out of Alexa, we created a company called A9. I don't know how many of the listeners are familiar with A9, but A9 was a Google competitor in like 2006, um, started by Amazon. I was gonna say, I, yeah. I connected to Amazon. Yeah, A9 it, was started. Whenever by I was Amazon. doing search at Amazon, I saw A9. Yeah. yeah, and so that was a that was a really my first big foray into understanding all the ins and outs and nuances of search design, um, which was which has served me really well in my career. And I also was a very deep partnership with uh, technologists, with developers, and um, and even at Alexa, like. Uh, I was way outnumbered by developers, and most designers have had this, the same sort of um, experience. But it also taught me a really good lesson, and and to speak that language, and yeah. to know about how development works, how things are put together. Mm. I think that's really important for mm -hmm. any designer is to to understand the language that development speaks. It's like an architect understanding materials and how yeah. they come together. I think that's yeah, really a little important. bit about. Materials, a little bit about structural engineering. Yeah. You know. So I don't propose something silly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Don't make the base out of styrofoam. <laughs> um, and so, I, I went and worked at probably the bo the most well known company uh, out outside of Amazon that I've worked for, which is Zappos. And Zappos is really well known for having a, a quirky culture, but also having really high customer satisfaction but I think you have to ask yourself what can you what value do you add to the company and for me the company was extremely successful they were no really well known for having a, a great customer experience I think you could argue the, the merits of the user experience of the site we made a progress but but what value that I could add to a company that is already at the top of the heap in the customer experience is very little. Mm -hmm. Even if I do an amazing job, it's still, is it, how is that gonna move the needle? Because the needle can't move much further, right? Right. And, and so. Unless it goes to 11. Unless it goes to 11, and, and, <laughs> and in some ways the, the company was cranked up to 11 already. Um, and, and so, you know, while there, it was a great, yeah, I love the people there. I love the work. I just wasn't. Um, I didn't feel like my contributions were making a huge difference in the trajectory of the company. Yeah. Like if I were to leave the company, like if UX were to leave the company, it would still be fine for years because yeah. of the momentum. Mm -hmm. 
And so I think that's important just because a company is successful and known for design, you have to think, were you the person that made it successful and known for design? Um, and for me, that the answer was no. And um, while I got to learn about how things worked and, and made a difference in the design, it wasn't that, you know, like there was, it was, wasn't as much to explore. Right. The challenge wasn't, I like a good fight, and it, and and, uh-huh. and I needed to go someplace that I felt like the meaning behind what we were doing was significant and aligned with my own cultural values. Right. And, and that's what brought me to LexisNexis. Um, because we have, you know, unlike Zappos and Amazon and some of these other companies, we our products just they they could be better yeah like there hasn't been a strategic focus on user experience in a way that is the same as amazon or zappos and this isn't specific or unique to to lexisnexis a lot of enterprise companies are going through this this transformation the consumerization of enterprise and the expectations of the customers are such that they want to see your product work like Facebook or Google because they're using these things as well. Like they're not just yeah. using Microsoft and, and that's it anymore. The right? level of expectation is the, going is, up. The ex- expectation is really high. Yeah. And so, but for years we have we have like thirty years of tech debt where that wasn't that wasn't a thing. And so now we have an opportunity. And for me, like to think that. The company hasn't been deploying these design practices per se mm-hmm. at scale, design thinking, data-driven design, and I'd, I've seen how successful that can make companies. Mm-hmm. I think the opportunity is is huge here, and okay. and it's one that it's I mean it's not easy. It's going to be a challenge. We have a lot of resources. The company, um, the CEO of the company, Mike Walsh. Um, has said that you know one of our biggest our biggest opportunities is to improve the customer and user experience. He sees it super fo- customer focused guy, mm-hmm. and um, and so for me, it's one of those rare opportunities when it's been presented and it's entirely on my shoulders to execute, and mm-hmm. that's the place I would like to be. You had a very classic design training. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, it seems mm-hmm. like you know, like you were saying, print. Mm-hmm in the yeah. old school way mm-hmm. and um, now looking back what is what is it how would you sort of sum up all the stuff that you've learned over mm-hmm. your career and what is your how is that skill set needed to be expanded and mm-hmm. and how has it served you mm-hmm. yeah I, th- I, I can start with how it served me I, I so having a formal design background has been really helpful for me because a lot of what we do, a lot, well, a lot of what people think that we do is UI, user, just user interface, and that is a large part of what we do. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't get me wrong; like we do in user interface, and I understand more about what, you know, composition, color, typography. I know what that part of design is like, and I know how to execute on that, and so, um, so that has helped me. especially in UI but I think it's also been a little bit of a crutch early on in my career uh, and that you can make things look good but they're not necessarily functional right right so the learning for me was more around the psychology and understanding how people 
interact and understanding more about customer empathy mm-hmm. and user research. I think those types of, uh, or those areas uh, filled in my, my broader understanding. Mm-hmm. And then the techno, so the technical piece as well, like just understanding how things are built and the data behind, the, the quantitative data behind um, you know, people interacting with the things we built too and just being more data driven. I think that, you know, they don't, nest, well, when I was in design school, it wasn't data, like data driven wasn't a thing. Um, you just kind of like made things based on your own creative intellect. Right. Yeah. So it sounds like you had to learn to become a little bit of a scientist yep. and a little mm-hmm. bit of an engineer yep. and a little bit of a, I don't know, manager. Yeah. That, that plus a little bit of whatever the domain is that you're in. Yeah. Like now I'm, you know, for the next few weeks I'm studying how to be a lawyer right like we have this training <laughs> uh, you know I feel like I've been so many different things over the years because you almost become a method actor mm. where you get into the mindset of the customer so much that you sort of feel like you're that person and so um, yeah I feel like I've had multiple different careers even though it's been all about design because of the cus- different customer segments mm. that we're serving mm. Joe? I like that method acting piece. What a great, yeah. what a great uh, way to think about it. Um, I think, you know, one of the things I'm curious about with the career that you had and the products that you've worked on, when did, when did the way software got pushed out to the world change? Like when you were making designs uh, with Wayback Machine mm-hmm. or at Alexa, mm-hmm. you know, there was a process that I'm going to guess was probably longer mm-hmm. before that artifact got pushed out to yeah. the live web. Now we're in this world of DevOps and continuous mm-hmm. development where we're, we're kind of tweaking stuff on the fly. And the reason I ask that is uh, John Maida has been talking about in this last year, a uh, couple years, about really design being broken into three categories now. Mm-hmm. Classical design, mm-hmm. which is what you were trained on, mm-hmm. it's what I was mm-hmm. trained on. Design thinking, mm-hmm. um, we're getting there, right? Mm-hmm. But then this new piece around what he calls computational design. Mm-hmm. It's the making of mm-hmm. design artifact that is used at very large scale mm-hmm. out across the internet. Mm-hmm. And you're making those changes in real time. Mm-hmm. So I'm just curious for you, career-wise, when, when were you starting to work on products where you were seeing like, wow, you know, I just moved this thing mm-hmm. and that did this yeah. with a big mm-hmm. group of people yeah. you know, in a way that a poster is never going to do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's... Timely, like today is September 11th. Yeah. Um, one of the first projects I worked on with the Internet Archive um, and the Library of Congress is we created a web collection for the September 11th um, disaster, right? Uh-huh. And at the time, I, I knew that it was really important. And so what we did is we crawled every single new site and we did it, well, we were crawling the entire web, but we were focusing on news sites and we were refreshing every five minutes. We were refreshing our crawl every five minutes. And so if you think about it, I think a lot of people have this perception that when something's put on the web, it's there forever. And, but that's not the case. Like most of the web's already disappeared and will disappear. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's all, it's all paved over and the servers are reused. And, and so we were capturing this data and now it's in, it's in the Library of Congress collection. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like when, when I was doing this work, I, w- I was in my early 20s. I had no idea. Th- I yeah. mean, 
at what that meant you know I there was a very traumatic experience that we all went through but I think that that was you know one of the first times I, I really fully appreciated the scale of the internet and, that's a moment um, yeah 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 and so um, and then later on you know just the scale of, of Amazon even small changes like to the a button placement or titles like people who viewed this also viewed I mean how many times how many billions of times do you think people have seen just text changes like that and they've interacted with that and I think that's what's amazing about the world we live in today is that you know you can be you know you can be a teenager and and touch millions of people online it's the yeah. power and, and when I you know when I was a teenager it was pretty localized right mm -hmm. like you could talk to your neighbors and maybe your na their neighbors and y you know and you could right. spend a week yelling from every mountaintop and you could talk to a thousand people yeah it's funny when I mean, you think about the big newspapers in the end it was a bunch of you know teenagers driving around on bikes throwing papers onto driveways yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah that's published right yeah, yeah. publishes a six-hour process from when yeah. those things came off a press to exactly to get them yeah. out there yeah well, thanks, oh, that's great. Jason. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Look forward to your talk on uh, September 29th at the Hunt Library, 3 p.m., and we're going to talk about these topics and more. So join us. Yeah, look forward to it. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to the Nexus Teaser Podcast. Our meetups happen monthly on Fridays at 3 p.m. at the Hunt Library. This year's meetups and podcasts are sponsored by Eastman Chemical, LexisNexus, and KPIT. Our music was composed and performed by Ricky Hopper. To learn more about Nexus and its meetups, podcasts, and projects, go to our website at nex.ncsu.edu. We're also on Twitter at nexus underscore USA. Thanks for listening.